back to purgatory i mean season five thanks i'm happy to be here are you you know i'm How not happy sure <laughs> can you be to be in purgatory also is it the good place purgatory or supernatural purgatory uh i'm gonna go with the good actually you know what both sound equally horrible yeah you know they call it like the medium place in that show but it actually sounds like, so shitty. Like my version of hell, yeah. maybe. Like warm beer sounds pretty gross to me. Yeah, you only have one song on your jukebox. Like, yeah. no. I feel like it, it, there was a way to make it more medium. Like if you had a hundred songs to listen to, but only a hundred for eternity, yeah. but one would really fuck you up. It would. Um, that's, no, I, like, <laughs> that's like the iPod shuffle version of like water torture. <laughs> I really do think that like Mindy St. Clair put herself in a position where like she thought she was not experiencing the bad place, but she actually really really was. was. Yeah. Yeah. Yikes. Supernatural purgatory is the bad place for everybody except Dean who seemed to really (laughs) like it there. (laughs) Just beating the shit out of stuff. That's what he likes. That's what he likes (laughs) with his boyfriend. (laughs) Plural. (laughs) God, if you had told me in like 2012 that in nine-ish, ten-ish years I would be on a podcast about Teen Wolf referencing Supernatural, I would have been like, damn, so I guess I never made any friends. <laughs> I, I, You know, the worst, the worst part about it is that like you you kind of went through the whole cycle of like everybody being really excited about supernatural and then everyone being like, Oh my God, what is happening? Versus me who got into it over like quarantine as a full adult. Yeah. Uh, so I also would not have believed you that I would ever have watched it to begin with. I feel like if we went back and told 2012 Julia, you would have been like, I'm in college. (laughs) I would never watch supernatural. supernatural. I'm way too cool. I like, no, I just edgy. I just would not do that. Um, yeah. But I turns am out a liar. <laughs> turns out, turns out, everyone is cringe. Everyone, each and all of because us. Because you know who's like calling like stuff like Teen Wolf and like genre stuff cringe? Men who hate women. No, people who like The Bachelor. <laughs> oh yeah, but also men who hate women for yeah. sure. That's way up there. Um, but like, yeah, people will sit down and watch like episodes and episodes of love island and be like i can't believe you like riverdale and it's like priorities babe we all like garbage we all have our own little trash bins in this world yeah and what we choose to fill it with is our business and our trash bin just happens to be an entire apartment (laughs) full of bad opinions (laughs) hey but we like it here we do and right here is the teen wolf Rio podcast a podcast where we talk about mtv's teen wolf my name is christian and i'm julia and we are still talking about season five. I can't get too, like, angy about it yet, because we're, like, now only a quarter of the way through mm-hmm. season five. I And I actually really enjoyed this episode. I liked it, too. So. I told you at the beginning, I was like, I think this is an episode that I really like. And I think it was slow. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't... I, I'm having a huge kind of issue, and I would love to hear your opinion on this. I can't tell if season five is overwritten or underwritten. I think it is a an insane blend of both because when I sit there and I think about the whole desert wolf thing, I'm like, this is so much more backstory to Malia than I actually need to know in this moment. Um, and it it raises so much more questions. And I think like it raises 
questions to the point where I feel like none of them are being answered in a satisfactory way. And in that sense, it feels underwritten to me. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like we're getting, um, you know, a bunch of sort of things that could have been valid parts of seasons three, four, three and four Mm -hmm. being shoehorned in to try to give this season more depth. And I would actually rather uh, like the audience be asked to like extrapolate a little bit on their own to do that in order to have a more um, fluid and understandable storyline. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I, I love how we were like, this episode is pretty good, but here's why it sucked. <laughs> not, not even this episode in particular, but I just think that something that season five really suffers from is just telling and not showing. It's so much expository dialogue that is, it feels like it doesn't move anything along. And when I, it's funny because you said this episode is slow and I feel like nine times out of 10, I want Teen Wolf to slow down just a little bit because things happen so fast and so yeah. much. Um, Everything but, happens so much. <laughs> so in much. Teen Wolf. But it's like a double-edged sword because the second it does slow down, it feels like it doesn't know what to do with the, the space that they give themselves. And so instead of like watching the characters do their laundry, you know, which is what I want, which is what I want. Um, we get these like fractured scenes of them reading the book or like talking in the weight room. And it just doesn't feel like it's adding anything. It's also frustrating to me because I do think we, we got a little bit more laundry in the first two seasons, especially like I was thinking about like the unfolding of the Scott Allison relationship compared to Scott Kira. Mm -hmm. And this has nothing to do with Kira. Like this is not at all on her. I love Kira. I think she's one of these shining parts of, of these last couple seasons. Um, but we do get moments with Scott and Allison, like that episode where they're just kind of talking while walking through the woods where it's mm-hmm. just like a, Oh, I love a walk and talk. Love, love, love it. Love it. We don't get any of that. Really. We don't even really understand the foundations of like the styles Malia relationship. And I would love to just hear them talk about like, garbage i'd love to hear them talk about a song they like on the radio you know yeah that's the kind of detail i need to sort of feel connected to these characters instead of all of this like like ultimately like all of the memories that we see in this episode are um very evocative like they make you very emotional but i don't actually know how um much they make the season more whole yeah it i don't know i mean it felt like they were trying to kind of pull in from previous episodes and things that we already know about the characters, but because it's never followed up on, like it's never followed through. Like I, Oh yeah. Teen Wolf has no no, follow through. Yeah. I mean, what we're really talking about at this point is just like a, um, continuity error. Yeah. This entire season feels feels like it can't quite catch on to what the other seasons and like bring that information and those plot lines forward. Yeah. I would agree. Um, but before we get too deep into that, cause clearly we started with the complaining earlier again on an episode, we both agreed we liked. Yeah. Uh, we do have to do the 60 second recap. We should also tell you that this uh, episode is called required reading and it was, uh, written by Ian Stokes and directed by Alice Trotton, who has directed on Dr. Who and Tin star, which is an Amazon show I've never heard of and discovery of witches, which I've meant to watch Wolfpack. If you've watched it and you liked it, let me know. Yeah. I keep seeing, seeing people talk about that. Mm-hmm. I would like to see it. Uh, thank you for reminding me to introduce this episode. We got so <laughs> deep so fast. I yeah. was like just blowing through. Uh, do you know what episodes of Dr. Who? 
I do not. No, I could have clicked on that. It looks like the later seasons, I think probably um, Peter Capaldi's so run. Prob- probably not stuff I've seen. Probably not stuff that I've seen either. I've seen the first season of, um, what is the actress who plays the newest actor? I want to I wanna say that it's Judy. And that's wrong. I think it's Jody. I think it's Jody. Yes. Close. Yeah. So close. Um, she was adorable. I didn't watch mm-hmm. any Peter Capaldi. I don't really plan on going back. Um to be frank. That's another podcast. That's another podcast. Oh. Hmm. Oh. But I don't want to like get to Matt's Miss Seasons and be like, and we're done. You know, that would be shitty. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we do have to do our 60 second recap about required reading. It is an even numbered episode, which unfortunately means I'm going first. And good luck to you because I was looking at my notes and thinking to myself that there was no way on this God's green earth that I was going to get through it all. So I legitimately can't read my handwriting whatsoever at all on this. So yeah, it looks particularly chaotic from where I'm sitting across the table. So like compared to usual. Yeah. Um, I'm going to blame the pen. (laughs) All right. Um, well, whatever gets you through the day. So, um, blaming others generally, (laughs) I am going to give you a minute on the clock. Okay. If you're ready, starting right no. So we start with like a flash forward of Malia, Scott, and Melissa fighting the Dread Doctors in the hospital. And Scott's like, we should have never read that book. And then the police find chimera holes in the lacrosse field. And then Malia, Scott, and the sheriff are at the murder board. And they're trying to count all the chimeras. And then they're like, I guess uh, Donovan might be one. And Styles is like, haha, maybe. And then Parish and Lady are doing some like kung fu school. And it gets kind of sexy. And then Theo gaslights Scott about reading the book. And the gang gets together for a book club. And they all read uh, the Dread Doctor book. And then uh, Stalia talks about the crash. And then um, uh, Malia doesn't tell Styles every everything but styles also not telling Willie everything and then um liam uh goes to the club to try to give hayden money and she won't take it theo watches uh kira speak japanese and records it the gang go to school and then sydney goes kind of like nuts in bio and it triggers uh lydia's memory and she mem- she has a memory of eichenhaus of her grandmother getting like almost killing herself with trepidation and then um the da, 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 uh Scott and Theo find her, and Mason talks to her in the library and says she can't read the book because she's having trouble with her uh, Foxfire. Um, wow, I did not even get that halfway through the time. episode. Dang. Yeah. It was dense, baby. Well, now I'm nervous. Well, here's the thing. This might be one of those episodes where we kind of have to do a lot of catching up at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and for that, we forgive ourselves, and we hope the wolf pack, wolf pack forgives us also. Fingers crossed. I have I think a feeling. They will. You guys are very magnanimous. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like who this is a very supportive crew. I mean, yeah. And even when we disagree, it's just people being like, but this is a TV show. You know, that <laughs> yeah. feels like that feels not like Phantom of Old. That feels like everybody on the Internet grew is in, up is in their 20s. Now. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Julia, are you ready? Uh, I'm sure. Well, one, Mm -hmm. two, three, go. Okay, so everybody's fighting in the hospital, and Scott's having an asthma attack, but Malia saves him, which is a flash forward. The cops at the school find a bunch of burials in the lacrosse field. The sheriff, Malia, and Styles are talking about chimeras, and Styles is like, I don't know what you're talking about when you're talking about Donovan. There's a parish lady of fighting lessons, and she hallucinates the dread doctors again. uh, Scott talks to Theo about the book, and everybody gets together to read it together. Um, Hayden's at the nightclub, and Liam's trying to be nice to her. Um, Theo ends up recording Kira while she's mumbling... Uh, Japanese in her sleep. Um, the bio teacher starts talking about invasive species, and then Sydney has um, 
or her hair's falling out and then she runs out of the classroom and Lydia goes to help her and she hallucinates the Dread Doctors yet again um, and sees her grandmother in Eichenhaus um, and who tries to warn her about the Dread Doctors. Kira and Mason are in the library talking about Kitsune's um, and Scott tries to drop bio and then has this little asthma attack. Um, Liam finds out and he like goes to help her after having a little competition with Hayden. Um, Lydia realizes that she's having other people's memories. Malia asks Theo why he didn't tell Scott about her memory and he's like, oh, I'm, you know, just trying to get you on okay, my side. Okay, so I will say you got to a far more respectable part of the episode than I did. Mm. I don't think I realized when we were watching how much there was to talk no, about. No, and my notes were confusing me a little bit. Do you um, want to catch us up? Yeah, so uh, let's see. We learned that Hayden's sister is a deputy, and part of the reason that Hayden, um, well, the, the reason that Hayden is working at that nightclub is because she had a kidney transplant, and she needs the money for the medications because America is a hellscape. Um, and Theo ends up going to Scott and playing the Kira recording um where she's saying something like i am the messenger of death and he feels like he can't trust her anymore um styles and lydia end up going to the hospital to like search for clues um and everyone kind of ends up there eventually um lydia hears the dread doctors chanting hayden um styles starts hallucinating his mom um in like the throes of her illness basically um there's a chimera eating the electrical wires you know casually um and liam basically tests he uses a glow stick to test if um hayden's eyes glow because he thinks that she might be maybe a chimera um the dread doctors um are operating and lydia sees it um and then the dread doctors are at the hospital and everybody kind of converges because we go back to the start of the episode of the episode um of the episode and uh theo ends up saving styles quote unquote, um, and then tells him not to tell Scott that he just ripped this kid's throat out. And we find out that Theo knows that Styles killed Donovan, kind of. Yes. Maybe accidentally. Um, that was so, so long, but yeah, I necessary. will say of all of the money problems to be made up for Teen Wolf paying for medication in these United States of America <laughs> is definitely the one that makes me go. Yeah. The least unrealistic, I think. Well, most Americans are one medical bankruptcy away from being completely broke, which mm-hmm. is, sorry for that fact, but it's true. Uh, you know. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's a sad fact. Yeah, it is. This is why we were considering <laughs> pulling an insurance heist so that you could get my de- uh, vision coverage. Yeah, yeah. I had my. We're in- not actually going to do that, Wolfpack. Nobody report me. <laughs> no. We are. Everything is above board in this apartment. We totally follow every law. All the time. You know how there's like laws in random states, though, that are like. Like, you can't cross the street with the opposite sex on a Sunday kind of shit. Yeah, or like you can't, you know, take an alligator to the, you know, park. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like we break those laws all the time. Yeah, with our personal alligator that we take to the park. Yeah, his name is Timmy. (laughs) We're very fond of him. Yes. Um, If you guys live in a place that has one of those laws, please let us know what they are. I, I, I think they're so funny. They're one of my favorite things to learn. They're like one of my favorite fun facts. Wait, uh, didn't you, uh, what was the, did the deal with your sorority house when you were at Drexel? I actually think this is more of an urban legend, um, in Philadelphia, but everybody always says that like sororities cannot own their own homes, like the houses that they live in, in Philadelphia, because eight or more women living in a home together is considered a brothel, Hmm. but the men can own their own homes. Hmm. Hmm. Let's just you know, what I, you know what I say to that? 
decriminalize brothels. Decriminalize sex work. Yes. Yeah. I knew we'd have a political opinion <laughs> and, I, and to round this out. Um, who's to say that is our only political opinion for this episode? It may not be. Maybe I, one of many. Yeah. Who, who's to it's say? It's always a little political, <laughs> yeah. you know? I feel like everyone listens and they're either on board or they're like, I just have to sort through the dirt to get to the Teen Wolf. I'm like, well, well, at least they're not complaining about the pandemic this time. I, I, do you have anything to say about never the pandemic? Never say never. No. I'm good. No. I'm pretty, I'm pretty vaccinated. I'm actually kind of bummed that I have to start going into the office. <laughs> like, actually, here's the thing. Did the pandemic absolutely ruin everyone's lives? Yeah. Would I like to continue working from home? Yeah. I think most people feel the way that you feel. Yeah. Or to have the option. Yep. Yeah. I'm yeah. more productive at home because I don't have to commute or put makeup on. Oh, I just, there's so many distractions in your home to me. I, I want to do other things. Yeah. At work, I have to work. Um, yeah. All right. Well, then maybe that will be the post-it poll. We'll see what people like. But also, I definitely do all of my work at home. I do all of it. <laughs> well, I do all of it just at really random hours. Like, after we're done podcasting, I still have work to do. So, <laughs> Okay. So, we're going to be talking about this episode required reading again through the theme of memory, which was kind of handed to us on a platter but that's okay. Sometimes that happens. Man, I don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Like, come on. Yeah. For once, we did not have to sit here for 20 minutes asking each other, what's the theme? Well, I feel like we actually ask each other what's the theme and then talk about who knows. Like, we yeah. did spend like 20 <laughs> minutes talking about Rick Astley before we hit record. I, uh, the conclusion of that conversation was just that we both genuinely enjoy being Rick rolled. Well, I told you, I don't like that the only capacity in which I can listen to that song and have it be normal is by being trolled because yeah. I actually think it's kind of a bop. <laughs> I want that trench coat. Yeah. Yeah. He look he is just vibing. Yes, yeah. And he, I he am also too. he also has the condition of white man black voice. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so memory, we're going down memory lane with a Rick rolling, uh, memory, this, this, uh, this episode obviously sets us up to talk about it with the memories that are being triggered by everything that's happening with the dread doctors, but it also happens in sort of, um, less obvious places as well. I'd be really interested to know where you want to start. Um, I kind of want to start with Malia a little bit. Um, because she's not one of the main players who goes through a memory discovery. No, in fact, she's the uh, like acid trip babysitter for yeah. them all. Yeah, she uh, is there to make sure that nobody hulks out into a homicidal rage after reading this book, which is an interesting assumption. The only book I've ever wanted to hulk out f- into a homicidal rage after reading was Eat, Pray, Love, and that's because she was insufferable. <laughs> Um, mine would be Freedom by Jonathan Franzen. Terrible mm. book. Um, you know those books that you hate finish? That was one, that was the, that, I have decided that I am no longer hate finishing books. That was the last one. It killed me. You know what my sister says, and I think she's right? Mm. If you can put it down, you can put it down. You can put it down forever. Yeah. hundred page rule. Yeah. Oh, that's, that is generous. <laughs> it's generous. 50 page rule. There we go. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so Malia, you're right. She is now dealing with like what I would say like the consequence of her memories is she really, um, 
we talked about this a little bit in the last episode. She is sort of reevaluating how this makes her see herself. Mm-hmm. Because I think we said like that does absolve her of the guilt of being the person that caused the crash that killed her family. But she now has like de- like direct lineage to the person who did it. And all of a sudden, I think we're back entering the question of like, am I evil because of like, because I'm spawned by evil? Yeah. Well, and it, it seems like she is worried that Scott might jump to that conclusion. Um, because I think she herself is already there. Yeah. Um, like she's already made that walk and I, I don't think it was too difficult because she did already feel so guilty. Um, and you know, for Scott to learn about that one, um, it, puts Malia into a new context for him and two could mean like an external threat to his pack, which, um, would be devastating for Malia who like, that's her family. And I think she's also looking at Theo who can't get into the pack for the, you know, like uh, reasons that like basically boil down to like general distrust. And Mm -hmm. she's like, well, what if I all of a sudden evoke that feeling in my friends? Yeah, and I think it's really interesting how um, Malia and Theo have been spending a lot of time together because I think perhaps the intention is to show that they are very similar and also very different. Um, It's also a little bit like, oh, like Theo isn't just usurping like a place in the pack. He's usurping styles, even as Malia's boy toy. With his sexy, sexy workout scenes. That workout scene, I was like, actually tension incredibly high and kind of wonderful. You know? yeah. yeah. No, I enjoyed it. Um, but also, like, to learn this, and we talked about this in the last episode, um, it is so interesting to think just on, like, a macro level about all humans, like, how we um, interpret memory and how we remember things. Um Because we are incredibly unreliable eyewitnesses to things that happen in our own lives. Yeah, I think at the core of talking about memory, you also have to talk about trauma. Mm -hmm. Like, we rewrite our own memories all the time as a way to better deal with them, um, as even just a reflection of our own interpretation as to what was happening at the time, even if it isn't even close to the truth. And I think what right now is being being happens is happening, (laughs) Jesus Christian, uh, is happening is that all of our... um, characters are being faced with memories uncensored and the fact that Malia kind of does that alone separate from the pack is kind of not lost on me like I think it does really represent her isolation yeah she because she is um as you pointed out while we were watching the episode she's an animal she is so other from the pack despite doing all of this work to try and fit in. And she clearly feels like she can't trust anyone. And I don't think anybody feels like they can trust each other in this moment. No, no. And if you can't trust yourself, anyone else, or your memories, you are alienated entirely from your, not even just like your own experiences from the people who would validate your experiences. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I think... Why, why do you think we can start questions early? Why do you think she doesn't want to tell Scott about the desert wolf? What do you think that big hang up is for her? I think it is probably a number of things. Um, I think one, because it's not the problem that they're facing right now. Um, two, because 
you know, if Scott found out, then Styles would find out. And she's already kind of said to him that she doesn't want to go down that route anymore. Um, and she's trying to like make a stand, but obviously this information changes things. Um, and Scott like really would want to do the right thing, I think. And we've seen that earlier on in the season of him and Styles trying to find more information on the desert wolf, um, to try and help Malia. And I think with this new piece of information that would become, um, an urgent thing again. And Malia seems to know that there's already something so crazy on everyone's plate that now's not the time. Um, but also, I mean, it might change the way he sees her and that's scary. Yeah. I also think like there's a level of like, I am burdened by my memories and therefore don't want anybody else to be because Mm -hmm. I understand the pain they cause. Yeah. And obviously that pain is personal because what Malia went through is an incredible tragedy. Um, I don't think that she, in that moment, feels as though she can really lean on her friends. And part of that is because of the complete distrust, which you mentioned earlier. Um, but part of that is, like, the situation is pressing. You know, if this, if she had recovered that memory three months ago, maybe they would have talked about it. But right now it's, nope, nope, no, nope, I have to push that to the back burner. Which is often mm-hmm. what it feels like when you unsurface um, traumatic memories. Um, you're like, I can either deal with this right now or it has to go away until I can. Yeah. And that is how a lot of people operate. Yeah. Yeah, most people. Most people are like, (laughs) we will compartmentalize until later. Until my therapist says I'm not allowed to anymore, (laughs) and oof, that's going to be a rough day. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know who should be in therapy? Malia. Malia. Do we think she is? Well, I would... Again, this is generous. I have to think that like somebody in her corner, in her educational planning, would have put her in developmental therapy if yeah. not emotional therapy because of all of the shit she's missed but i'm One not would hope yeah but i'm not giving that to teen wolf no. that was me saying no. that um yeah it, it's it's interesting and i think that again experiencing it separately from everybody else who kind of gets to have like everybody's kind of gets to have this moment it was like did you feel that when this happened or whatever it's like she you have your memory and malia is doing it isolated which i think malia has done most things in her life alone and i think that's how she prefers it but not necessarily the most healthy way for her to deal with it mm-hmm. uh do you want to move in to talking about kira yeah poor kira who's just having a really rough time Yeah, Kira is kind of denied the experience of memory. Like, I don't obviously think that these things were good for our main cast to experience. Like, obviously, they're unlocking, like, serious trauma, but I think it does help them understand themselves and their place in the world. And because Kira is sort of being held down by the Kitsune um, element of herself right now, she is sort of watching from the outside in. Yes. Um, similarly to Malia, I think, um, it's really interesting because these characters feel so well integrated into the cast and into the group, um, that we just consider we just consider them to be part of the pack now and they are, but most of the time the like really big moments come down to, um, the core three who have been there since the beginning. So styles, Lydia and Scott. Yeah. And they've all experienced things that like Malia and Kira 
don't understand. Um, and to not be able to kind of share in those memory experiences further brings them outside of that circle. Um, and I also think that Kira, and we've talked about this where Kira is like one of a kind in Beacon Hills, um, except for her mother, where is she? Where is Nishiko? Um, <laughs> and so she doesn't really know how to be a kitsune. Like she's not getting that training. Um, but also it kind of seems to me like her powers as a, a kitsune should be something that she should be able to recover. Like it is innately within her, which I think we see with her like mumbling, you know, the Japanese while she sleeps um, and kind of having the Fox aura like taking over her. Like it is just an innate part of her that she cannot access. Well, I actually have a question about that and it does pertain to memory. I was thinking about like the mumbling Japanese while you're sleeping and like having these issues controlling this like spirit that's a part of you. Um, you know, is that like a sort of exploration of the Kitsune memory? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. And it's, well, it's really interesting to kind of wonder what the separation is between Kira and the Kitsune, because it's easy to say that Kira is a Kitsune, but it's also obvious to the watcher and to Scott, and to he Scott says it that, in this episode that the that it is kind of like a symbiotic relationship, or at least it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and like right now, I think we could say that it's parasitic. Mm -hmm. But I think up until this season, we haven't considered anything other than Kira being a fox spirit, and now it feels a little bit closer to what we were seeing in season three with Styles of like a possessor and a possessee. Mm -hmm. Um, and Kira is sort of living through the sense and like emotional memory of the Kitsune. And that's why she's speaking Japanese and why she is all of a sudden having trouble reading, which is a great callback to season three. Yeah. Um, and is being denied her own memories and then living through the memories of this, you know, force, which is fascinating and kind of sad again, like I, I wish there was more of a community built up amongst the women in Teen Wolf because it feels like their main uh, vehicle for being shown on screen is being alone mm -hmm. and unable to express the feelings they're feeling. Whereas, like, if we had one, like, wine night sleepover scene at the lake house with the girls, all of this shit would be thrown out on the table because that's how <laughs> women talk to each other. They wait until the end of the week, they get a little tipsy and then they info dump on all of their friends and then they feel better. Yes. Well, and that is one of the things we're like missing from the previous seasons. Like I miss a good Lydia Allison outfit, like try confab. On. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, Macy's ads notwithstanding. Um, I will take the Macy's ads <laughs> if it means they go shopping together. Yeah. Well, like I think, and we talked about, um, I don't know if this was in the last episode or the previous one, but how great it was to see all of the girls in the car giving Malia a driving lesson Yeah. and just how nice it was to have them all be together. And like, it is so wonderful that they have this pack and their friends that they can lean on. But I do think that there's something to be said about the relationship that women have to each other. Um, and not letting these three women be able to lean on one another is frustrating to watch. Well, I also find it one, a variation from the genre, you know, mm -hmm. I think teen television is, is oftentimes based on the relationships that women can have with each other, especially yeah. teenage girls. Um, 
And I think that it's kind of of a disservice to your show to leave the emotional underbelly to just be like whatever Scott or Styles is feeling at the moment. And obviously, we love Scott and we love Styles, and every person on Twitter will tell you that they love Scott and Styles. But essentially, you're sort of like leaving um, the pack a little threadbare when you don't yeah. engage in those conversations. And, you know, when it comes to, uh, to Kira, who's had the least amount of time, or I guess Malia's probably had the least amount of time, but Kira and Malia, who've had the least amount of time to actually sort of make acquaintance with Lydia and even with each other, because we never see them on screen together, that becomes frustrating. And then when it comes back to memory, it's like, there's really not all that much they share. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when, St- when Malia, I mean, when Lydia tells Styles about her memory, it's more meaningful because I didn't do the building up of those, those relationships, which is frustrating. I think to, to anybody watching, like I, I like to think that it's not just us being like, I need to see myself represented. I think it comes from everybody being like, there is a weakness in, in, in the pack dynamic as the show kind of goes forward. I, I hope so. Um, I think that you can see that kind of in the live reactions to this season, um, which still, you know, are perfectly preserved on Tumblr.edu. Um, Tumblr.net. <laughs> that people were frustrated. Yeah. Um, but enough about that. <laughs> uh, do you want to move into talking a little about, about Liam and Hayden, a little bit Mason, who reveals sort of the memory of Liam and Hayden? Okay, so I confession I remember feeling like I was gonna roll my eyes at whatever it was because I couldn't remember it felt I I knew that it was something like whatever really, their drama was yeah, yeah, yeah I remember thinking that it was something really petty um but I just think that it is so funny and so true to like what how dire every situation is when you're in sixth grade Mm -hmm. um that your sixth grade yearbook picture is you with a broken nose like that that sucks that would make me so angry and also if I'd been punched in the face by a boy in sixth grade I probably would hate him oh my god once when I was little my brother's (laughs) friends were fighting and I was in our house and I don't know what happened if I was running by or if I, I have no idea, but anyway, someone swung a hit and I was probably like five. So they would have been like 13. Oh, no. I had a shiner, just full black eye. Oh God. Yeah. I can, I, I'm, I'm trying to imagine that little Christian with a black eye. Just oh no. Blonde hair. And yeah sobbing i'm sure weeping oh well you know and and things happen but i think when you are in sixth grade you're coming to like this greater social awareness of like boys and girls and like being a human person and especially like being a girl um yeah and like all of the pressures that come along i just imagine like you already feel so ugly at Mm -hmm. 11 12 13 doing that with a broken nose Horrific. God, the trauma, the emotional trauma of being a preteen girl. High school sucks also, (laughs) but middle school, especially for uh, anybody who isn't a cis, straight, white dude, is hell Horrible. Yeah. Horrible. Um, And so it, like, makes total sense to me why Hayden has not forgiven Liam for that. Um, And 
I think it's really sweet that he's trying to make it up to her. Um, and I mean, it's, it says a lot about Liam that he wants to, um, make up for well, what he did. What I think it says is like, he carries that memory with exceptional guilt. Mm-hmm. And especially in sort of his reformed ways, as we've been seeing over the past season, he is now sort of, um, recognizing the necessity of apology and like comfort. And this is the first time he's probably being forced to realize that with, um, past traumas or like past, you know, or pains that he has inflicted on people. Mm -hmm. And I think it speaks, uh, incredible maturity on Liam's part or like a gradual change in maturity on Liam's part that he is so insistent on writing that wrong. Yeah. Um, because you, I mean like punching some kid would if you feel guilty about it, okay, punching a girl you don't know that well, <laughs> that would fucking weigh on you. And I think that it has been weighing on Liam, and that memory is obviously very... It saddens him about himself, and that is what he's trying to amend. Oh, yeah. And I think it is so interesting, the juxtaposition between what Liam and Hayden must feel about that situation and the way that that is presented to us from Mason's memory. Yeah. Because when Mason gets to talk about it, you know, we as adults are kind of seeing the humor in it and um, the the sixth grade-ness of it all, um, as opposed to it being this very real, like, emotional turmoil that the two of them went through, mm-hmm. um, you know, being the receiver of a broken nose. On both ends, actually, she broke his nose in return. Good for her. Get it, girl. Um, yeah, if a dude, Wolf Pack, if a dude punches you, break his fucking nose. Break his fucking nose. You goodbye Earl, that bastard. <laughs> and we will be there to support you. We will. In spirit. If you need help, we'll help you. We'll, yeah. we'll bury that body. We'll buy you a plane ticket. We got you. If a dude punches you, fucking kick his ass. Yeah. But anyway. Break his fucking nose. Um. Yeah, but I, I I love the fact that the audience gets to learn it through Mason because it doesn't, like, we don't have to walk through all of that anger because we've already gotten a little bit of it. I don't need to unpack it. I don't need to unpack it, but you, you've you got it, and um, I, I think Mason kind of has the right sort of attitude about it, but he didn't go through it. So it's nice to have kind of an outside um, source, and it's also just an interesting thought experiment to think about how maybe your friends would remember or relay something that happened in your life. I don't, Julia, you know? did I do anything super embarrassing in college? Uh, not that I witnessed. Well, so good. Couldn't tell you. I don't think you did either. Thank God. I probably did, but you know, we don't need done. We don't. Well, I think there are things that we can keep. Private. Private. Yes. Um, and um, we didn't know each other in sixth grade, so. That's true. Well, I also just think that there's a level of, um, you know, I think Mason is able to be objective in the fact that these are just people. And I think this is the first time that uh, Hayden and Liam are being confronted with the fact that the other person is, in fact, a human person since that. For, because for so long, they have just been a memory. Mm-hmm. And that is why it's like, oh, shit whoops you and know? you're so cute also that's Ugh. part of the problem <laughs> well yeah yeah um and i don't love hayden 
She never sparks joy in me. It is a serious fault on the writer's part that there is phenomenal female character building in this show. I think Malia is wonderful. I love Lydia. I love Allison. I love Kira. And then you have somebody as boring and basic with like the most boring and basic thoughts and problems as Hayden. And I'm just kind of like, you know, stinks. It's also a disservice to that actress. Like it mm -hmm. just blows that she is not near as well-rounded as the other women in this show. I think part of the issue is that they were trying to make her like cool um uh Amy and like cool girl monologue yeah, yeah. dot gone girl dot gif <laughs> and like they try to they just if they they try and i'm gonna say try um to justify why she works in this nightclub to us in this episode because you know she needs to pay for her medication but i think it would be so much more like emotionally effective to see her after like a shift at mcdonald's or like the dairy queen like where high schoolers have jobs yeah um also just normal people i shouldn't just say high schoolers yeah no normal people but it's like oh you get off you know that job and you're sweaty and your like hat that they make you wear is sticking to your face and you feel gross and like this boy's trying to talk to you as opposed to they gave her a hot job yeah and it's like she's 16 she does not need to be hot yeah nope no she doesn't i think it would be also way more endearing if mason was like if not mason if uh liam was like you look really good today in her fucking dairy queen uniform and he yeah. meant it and he, he meant, meant it, it. Yeah. yeah um they try to make her so cool which is funny because in like comparison to liam liam's not that cool no, Liam's a little dweeb. Real weirdo with yeah. brain problems. So that's its own thing. Okay, we gotta wrap this up soon. So let's talk about Scott, who is honestly not a huge part of this episode. No, we get a memory of him uh, from when he was little in the hospital, which I truly, honest to God, have more questions than answers about. I'm pretty sure his dog got attacked by another dog. It triggered an asthma attack in him, but that other dog killed his dog. Yeah, no, I got the other dog killed his dog, but I'm also sitting there wondering to myself why this eight or nine-year-old Scott is walking his dog alone. No, I don't think he really was. Also, I walked my dog when I was that age alone. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I didn't have a dog, but um, it, it, it just seems... It's not something we've ever been acquainted with before. Like with Lydia and Styles's memories, we know we know vaguely about her grandmother and we know about his mom's illness. So those things are all familiar to us and that's just adding layers to that trauma. Um, Scott, it just feels like this invented memory um, to make us feel bad for him. Well, I actually think this would have been a really interesting time to bring back Raphael in some re in some way. Where is Where he? Where is he? He said Where he was. He? Gonna, he literally said he was going to see Scott's lacrosse game, went out for cigarettes, and never, never came, came back. back. <laughs> what the f, man? Anyway, but yeah, you're right. This is like an invented memory, and that's kind of unfortunate because, or you know, obviously, like Crystal Reed came back in in season five. I think this would have been what a good opportunity would have been for like an Allison memory. Yeah. Especially because we, we, we have never really gotten to process that we get drips no. and drabs, little teasers here and there. Um, it, it doesn't seem, it doesn't further our understanding of Scott at all. No. And the only person who buries Teen Wolf's dead is Parrish. Shout out. <laughs> so please stay away <laughs> from the teenage girls. Uh, um, yeah. And I, 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 
I mean, I thought his memory was as like compelling as I guess it could be given the circumstance of it. Um, but what was more interesting to me is how his memory uh, manifested physically. Yeah, where he was getting his um, asthma attacks, which I think is interesting um, in comparison to like things that Parrish was saying to Lydia that like your muscles have memory and you'll just remember to like fight. Um, you know, I think Scott's body has that memory yeah, of, of having those asthma attacks. Yeah, being unable to breathe and yeah. you know how panic sets in and now panic is a cause of that. And that goes back to even in, I think, season two. Yeah. When Styles gives him his inhaler and is like, you're having a panic attack, maybe season one. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't had asthma in how, you know, however long it's been since he's been bitten. And so we know that that is an effect of uh, Scott's, you know, panic response. Mm-hmm. And to see it be that, go on for that long and be that severe is very touching to an audience. Um, anybody... Everybody knows that asthma can kill you, which is terrifying. Um, And it it takes a sort of different memory for him to be able to pull himself out of that. You know, when Liam finds Scott and says his name and glows his eyes, it really reminded me of the scene in 305 when Isaac is beating the shit out of, uh, I think, Aiden. Mm -hmm. and Or no, it would have been Ethan. Um, beating the shit out of Ethan on the bus. And the only thing that pulls him out of that, like, panic and rage is Scott doing the alpha glow at him. Mm-hmm. I saw that was kind of an interesting... I don't know if the Team of Fighters intended that parallel, but I thought it was a good one. Um, so it's interesting in the way that we are discussing how memory can manifest. And it manifests in Scott in obviously a far different way than it does in our other um, our other heroes. Mm-hmm. Should we talk about Lydia? Let's do... Um, cool new banshee power from Lydia. She has other people's memories. I think it's like the memories of where people died. I guess. Um, but that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's really cool to watch her discover that. Yeah. Um, and how like death itself is a memory. Mm. Um, and I think that Lydia will always be afflicted and inflicted by other people's memories because of that. And, um, clearly, uh, unearths a memory that I wish that we had an inkling of in season four of her grandmother. Yeah. It doesn't look like her grandmother. I, I just, I don't think that that was her death. No, because Brunsky kills her. Yeah. And we know that for a fact. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is where, you know, we're ta- we were talking at the beginning about whether or not the season is underwritten or overwritten. And I really just think that they are trying so hard to answer questions. I didn't really care about having the answers to, um, or giving us more information about something that I could have happily left in previous seasons. And, like, obviously, because Lydia, her grandmother was um, a banshee, like, it makes sense to resurface that, but it hasn't happened in so long. Mm-hmm. And it feels, it, it's frustrating. And to think about Lydia having experienced seeing her grandmother in that position, I mean, that is horrific. Yeah. Um. And I think it's a really interesting vehicle to have her kind of revisit that um, and have 
like her grandmother kind of speak to her from beyond the veil. So it's not even really a memory. Like it is, um, a way to communicate with her dead grandmother. Um, which I think is really interesting. I mean, I think that the sort of comment there is that like memory is the way that like the past communicates with us, Mm -hmm. um, which is beautiful. Um, but is often revealing. And I think that Lydia is all of a sudden, I mean, I think the episode with Brunsky trying to kill Lydia and Styles on its own is enough to sort of disgust her with the way that her grandmother and by her extension, like her kind has been treated, especially with Meredith. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is, um, a warning about how she needs to like, you know, be able to manage herself and the way that she's supposed to go through life. And of course, that's not something she's thinking about no, right now. No. And like her, like the memories that we obviously unlock in this episode are, have nothing to do with the Dread Doctors, which becomes very apparent qu- very quickly, but it does very much uh, show us how our uh, main cast starts to think about themselves. If you can remember everything about how you were formed in your formative years, um, how does that change, you know? how you view yourself. And I think that kind of leads us into our discussion on styles. Yeah. Um, this is, I, I think the hardest memory for the audience to watch. Oh my God. Um, it is horrific. And not only that, but like everything that we know about his mom dying, um, is already horrible. (laughs) Like we had those moments in season three when everybody thought that styles was experiencing what his mom had been through. And you can like, you can see, um, the residual grief in everybody who went through that and then projecting it onto styles. Like we already know how horrible it was. And then for us to get this memory of Styles learning that his mother thinks because of her dementia that he is going to kill her, that he is plotting to kill her, a Mm -hmm. 10-year-old boy, yeah, um, really, I think, helps us understand, and maybe, I don't know, maybe this is like a too late in the game situation, but kind of helps us understand um, maybe why Styles always wants to be the helpful one and solving problems and like all of the guilt and and everything that he felt around the Nugitsune because he became the thing that he feared he would be. Well, I think actually, I mean, that's generous to loop it all the way back to season three, even though that's kind of what it's calling back to yeah. with the conversation about his mother. But I think what's happening right now is Styles is going through this process of thinking, I'm a killer, I'm a killer, I'm a killer. And all, all, like, all of a sudden having a memory of his mother confirming that other people see that in him. Mm. And obviously... Um, the things that she's seeing in styles in her, you know, complete, you know, unreality mm-hmm. don't have anything to do with him. That's the sort of deterioration of the, of, of the human brain. But when your mom says something to you, you internalize it so deeply and automatically, like, I think that brought up to styles. Why? so much of this has been so heavy why he can't bring it up to Scott. I think he's sort of disgusted with himself because he does have this memory buried deep and like deep down and he's never been able to access it or vocalize it. And this brings clarity to why he feels so disgusted with himself 
And you as the audience like want to scream like, no, Styles, we love you. <laughs> it's okay. But it does bring incredible depth to this character and why he would be feeling the way he does about experiencing this memory. And it sort of more justifies his behavior as this season has gone on. Yeah. You know, what is so interesting is I think that this has been a thread for Styles from the beginning and it did not, I mean, obviously we're dealing with the consequences of his having been, um, responsible for Donovan's death. Not that he killed him necessarily, but it was because of his actions. Um, but like so much other evidence that styles views himself that way has been presented to us. And just to have it continuously driven home, um, is so painful. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, let's move into Q's and O's. Let's do it. Uh, do you have any questions, Julia? I mean, I have questions in the sense no, 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 that no. I answerable questions. No, I do not have answerable questions. Okay, one philosophical question. Yeah. Uh. What? No. I mean, the desert wolf thing really bugs me because it's out of place and shoehorned in. And shoehorned in. And wouldn't you have seen the bullet holes in the car? Yeah. Wouldn't you have seen the bullet holes in the car? Forensic scientists go through so much weird schooling and stuff to spot like minute differences in like paint splatter. And you're telling me they would just ignore bullet holes. We see a bullet hole go through the windshield. And if you've ever seen a bullet hole in a windshield, you know that like, yes, the glass fractures, but it doesn't like fall apart. You still see the structure of the bullet having entered the windshield and it doesn't make any goddamn sense. No. That nobody would have noticed it. Nope. And particularly to assume, because we don't see the rest of that memory, that she came to finish the job once the car had crashed. Yeah. So. Yep. That's my question. That's not a question. That was just a comment. Yeah. Maybe an observation. Maybe. Do you have questions? Uh, Where's Nishiko? Where's Raphael? Where's Raphael? But like, it's actually like completely, um, I think it's lazy to not have Nishiko show up earlier to be worried about Kira and not know what's wrong. They, I think they think that they accomplished that with whatever happened. I can't even remember. Did her mom get ripped up by berserkers? Something she had to go to the hospital Yeah, for something horrible. And she's just not back for whatever fucking reason. But her dad has been around. Then bring her dad in to be like, you know, I've been talking to your mom and I blah, blah, blah. Uh, Yeah, bullshit. Um, Do you have any observations? Oh my God, I have so many. Do you really? Yeah. This episode was kind of good. Yeah, I really liked it. I really... um, After all of that complaining (laughs) we've done about like structural problems of the season, that's kind of the problem I'm having is that these one-offs seem okay, but it is the arc that doesn't make sense. It, It is the arc that doesn't make sense and it really flies in the face of how good a lot of the artistic direction in this season is. Yeah. Well, we thought the directing in this episode was great. Really good. Yeah. Really, really excellent. Um, I loved the way that the memories were framed. The frame rate, I think is, um, there's way more frames per second in mm-hmm. the memories and it's done in widescreen. It looks so crisp and so good. I love the transition to widescreen. It's so, it is so excellent. It, I think does so much more of an effective job than like switching to a different tone. Um, which is, I think something that Team Wolf has relied on in the past. I loved it. I loved it. Um, I loved, and I don't know if this was uh, intentional or not, but in Lydia's flashback, it kind of felt, she, it felt very like Wizard of Ozzy, like she was Dorothy. Um, 
I don't really know. Like she's wearing like, the red shoes and it's like the angles that it's shot at. And I think it, it looks really good. Um, I love that Mason read up on Kitsune's cause he had never heard of them and that, he just wanted to learn to learn. That was one of my observations. And I was like, I think it's been a while since we we've introduced somebody and like, obviously this comes in into the next part of the season who is truly good, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, I think that all of the memories are really reminiscent of Lydia's party. Yeah. In a really interesting way. Not as good as Lydia's party. No. Although I'm wondering now how good Lydia's party would have been if it looked like this. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That, like, well, it's also really similar to Lydia's party insofar as that the hallucination Styles has is of his dad blaming him for his mom's death. Mm-hmm. There's some continuity there mm. that I okay, think is well, really good. Okay, well, fine. Teen Wolf, is con- <laughs> Teen Wolf has one non-error in its continuity. Yeah. I mean, I actually think that the party scene is way more evocative because it's the fears that the characters have about themselves and their relation to it's others. It's also one scene and not build out through a whole episode. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's really good. Um, and then I just, I kind of liked the... Um, they made a pretty direct reference from Theo to Peter and I can't remember what it was now, but I, um, I think they're doing a pretty good, I miss Peter, but I think they're doing a good job of letting Theo fill that role. Well, uh, this is on my only observation that you haven't covered. Cause I mentioned, we mentioned the cure not being able to read thing, talked about the, fl- the, the, the directing stylings of the flashbacks and Mason. Uh, the, I think the fact that Theo rips somebody's throat out and then we see the that blood falling from mm-hmm. his hand is the perfect reference to, uh, Peter killing Kate. Yeah. In season one. And they all have, they have the same problems with Theo that they have with Peter. Yes. Yeah. That was, I thought that was great. I loved the body horror in this episode. Oh, there's like a part like in Lydia's, uh, flashback or like dread doctor memory where they're pulling some of these skin off, but it's glowing blue from underneath. And I was like, yeah. that is disgusting. I would watch seven episodes of it. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. Um, I think it wraps up Q's nose. Yeah, I think so. Uh, give us our pack stats, Julia pack stats, minimal, minimal, That's minimal. Fine. We some nakey. Some Nike. We had, um, I'm going to call it three eyes, one claws, two shirts, and the ads are back. I feel like I said that we weren't getting ads, and there was an egregious Toyota shot. You summoned them. I did. Um, and then whatever phone Mason is using, but it's the AT&T mm-hmm. um, thing. And there have been no sirens tonight. Chicago, staying safe. It's Tuesday. In our neighborhood. In our neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. Watch Thursday just be a <laughs> downright A shit show. <laughs> um, do you have an alpha of the week, Mason? Um, Mason. Um, I, Liam. Liam. Yeah, Liam. Liam. Liam and Mason. They get it this Liam week. Liam and Mason. Yeah, yeah. Because they're, they're the only sane people in this moment. In this episode, yeah. Yeah, they're keeping it together. Liam's so cute. On, on behalf so of everyone cute. else. Everyone's so cute. Yeah. I, yeah. I like when we can just sort of pick. Um, I think that about wraps it up. Yeah. I think so. Well, if you guys liked this episode of the Teen Wolf Rewolf, you guys can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Teen Wolf underscore Rewolf. Uh, you can follow us on Tumblr, Teen Wolf Rewolf. You can follow us. You can join our Facebook group, Teen Wolf Rewolf Podcast. Join the discussion. Share the memes. We all have a great time talking about the episodes. If you really like this podcast, you can leave us a review on Audible or iTunes. Please do it. If you leave a review and you leave us five stars, we read it out loud on the podcast and give you a shout out. And finally, if you really like this episode, you guys can donate to our coffee, ko-fi uh, forward slash Teen Wolf Rewolf. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's just to cover the cast, of, like the cost of the podcast. 
we're not pressuring you, but we are appreciative. Finally, I think that wraps it up. We will see you guys on Thursday. My name is Christian. I'm Julia. And we hope you guys have a wolf of a week. Uh, woo!